Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. Well, hey everybody, Wes McDonald here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of TigerTube. And if you can't see us, that means you're listening on Tiger Power Radio, so thank you very much for joining in. Uh, today is actually an extra special episode, because as all of the other ones are uh, recorded, uh, this one is being broadcast live. So if you're joining us in uh, today to watch it live, thank you very much. If you're watching the uh, recording um, you can still treat it in the comment section uh, just as if you're watching it live. So be sure to leave your questions and comments. And just as an example, looks like I got one here. What fresh madness is this? Mr. Greg Walters, good to see you out there, brother. And for everyone else uh, that is out there, make sure that you leave your comments. And good afternoon and congrats. Thanks for that, buddy. <clears throat> yeah, it is a little strange thinking of a 50th episode and uh, to think that we've actually made it uh, that far. Uh, and that's way more than 50 guests, because as a lot of you know, uh, many of our uh, episodes have been panels and other things, and we have uh, tons of folks here today. So if you look above me, you can see in the banner uh, kind of a picture there of some of the folks that are be, uh, gonna be joining uh, in with us uh, today. So the first guest that I'm gonna bring in is somebody that's near and dear to my heart. I've worked with him for uh, ever in the space. And Mr. Greg Vanderwalker, I'm going to add you in here. What's going on, Greg? West, how are you? Really good, brother. Appreciate it. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Very yeah. Honored. Well, you know, you've uh, always been a tremendous asset in the industry, doing things for the greater good, and absolutely uh, love the things that you've been doing over at uh, Collaborance, uh, kind of changing uh, how we do business in the Office Equipment Channel. And, and actually, that's maybe one of the you know, the questions that I'll get to is that when we did the interview together, you talked about, and I really love this. I actually made a little tiger bite, if you remember about it. You talked about this idea that uh, cybersecurity and physical security, um, customers don't really want to make the delineation. They just want to be secure, right? And and I'm just uh, curious. We talked about dealers, um, you know, paying more attention and doing some of this. Have you seen that? What are you seeing out there on the security front? Yeah, and when you say that, it, it is broad, right? Um, so you you have the cybersecurity element, which is uh, it continues to morph and and grow, right? Uh, new tools are coming out, uh, tools are being enhanced. So the cybersecurity element continues to grow and expand, and and the physical security has been around for a very long time, and um, more and more dealers are getting into it. So going back to our original discussion, yes, end users, when they want to be secure, they want to be secure, and it envelops all of that. One of the, the real difficulties, though, when you, when you come to physical security, that, in many ways, that's a different business, too. Even yeah. though the customer views it as, I want to be secure, you know, there's just a lot of differences. Now, technology is making it easier, right, the old security you're pulling a lot of cable uh, closer to uh, the, the old telephony business. But again, technologies help that change where it is a little more just IT centric, um, you know, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, things like that. Um, but yes, dealers are moving that way. Not lots of them, but, but we do see it in the marketplace. Yeah, it's funny, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, Mike Ketterell, um, if you remember uh, back in the day, uh, now part of, I think, the Lawson Group, right? But, you know, they had started early in the physical alarm security side um, and, you know, in Fargo, North Dakota, and they were doing gangbusters with it, right? Mm -hmm. It has come so far as I sit here in my home right now, I think that I have, and, and probably most people do, like a video doorbell system. I've got four cameras around the yard, which are all connected, you know, through Wi-Fi. I know that's nothing compared to, you know, uh, a typical physical security in an office setting, but that it's accessible now. And there are so many people that are working remotely now that I'm curious to see how that impacts, you know, the physical security side as we, you know, move into the future, right? Yeah, yeah that's pretty interesting. Uh, 
in, in the in the world of random um, <clears throat> in my where I used to live uh, had this neighbor lived across the street from me an old military guy and he was retired but one of his side gigs uh, in retirement was it was I believe a pharmaceutical company and he had reps all over the world and he would go do audits of their home and look look at ergonomics um, are they do they have a good chair desk but also looking at at the okay what what physical security risks do we have which again never really thought about that but that is a thing that he was doing years ago yeah. I, I can only imagine the heightened um uh, just awareness uh you know you, you i gotta think the lawyers are thinking about this and yeah they're right and so uh it, it just further uh just magnifies the fact that that this is an opportunity for dealers to go have some pretty interesting discussions with their customers and and pose these questions and I love it. And, and what kind of risks does that open you up to mr customer so, yeah and risk assessments are so important now especially as you know we're working in ways that we've simply never done before on mass right and now it's happening and wouldn't you know it we've actually got another security uh specialist on the line today i'm going to bring in mr matt lee from pax eight what are you doing Howdy. how's it going brother i'm doing great thanks for having me on wes it's good seeing you buddy yeah good to see you too and i appreciate uh you having done an episode with us in the past and now being you know here again joining the group uh today and you know one of the things that we talked about the last time uh we met was the importance of you know providers giving their customers a more defensible security infrastructure you remember that and and i'm wondering is that becoming more common what are you kind of seeing out there like what's happening on the the security front as far as defensible security or anything else oh you uh went on mute there yeah <laughs> well, hopefully uh, your head your headset wasn't hacked i like it <laughs> Well, we'll wait for some sound to, uh, to come back in. And for everyone that doesn't know Matt, um, he actually has his own program called Behind the Beard, uh, which is one that you're going to want to check out as well. It is all things security. And if you're interested in learning about security for your customers, cybersecurity or otherwise. And for everyone that's uh, watching out there, uh, make sure that you join the conversation, leave your questions and comments. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, any of the guests that you see today, if you have a question for them, uh, please feel uh, free to submit a question as we're going through this. It's a lot more informal than a, a traditional webinar. So, you know, uh, make sure that you join in. Now, I see one other person there. I'm going to uh, bring someone in as we're still on the security front. And Mr. Jeff Bendix, I'm going to add you to the stream. Let's see if we can do this. This will. We're officially yeah. getting close to having more people than I've ever had on here at the same time. Are you there, buddy? <laughs> hey, guys. How you doing? I think Good. we just got Matt's audio back. We yeah. did, yeah. I had a docking station crash, unfortunately, so we're on backed up everything. Uh, yeah, that was fast moving. <laughs> nice. But I'm here, so sorry about. Well, that. that's great. So let's go back to that question. So when we talk about a defensible, you know, security infrastructure, wh what are you seeing out there? Is it happening more? Is it still a a big up yeah. sort of battle? You're seeing a, a pretty high amount of growth, right? Like when I talk about defensibility, and we talked about this last year, we're we're talking about the the understanding that you shouldn't be shooting from the hip as an MSP. You shouldn't be shooting from the hip as a practitioner. You should be following frameworks, right? You should be following things that become defensible. And more importantly, you should show the iteration over time. Don't lie about where you are. Don't write policies that are perfect. Don't say that this is where it is. Be honest with where you are and then iterate and get better and better and better, right? And so the question was, are we seeing people do that? You've seen more growth in the last year, West, than I've seen anywhere else, right? Um, I'm not sure whose audio is doing that. I hope it's not mine. <laughs> Somebody clackety clack. <laughs> Welcome to live streams. Oh, man, I, I apologize. But the point is, we're starting to see growth. If you look at the insurance shots that were fired last year around the world from travelers and from other carriers, you've seen more growth in that building and more robust security practice just by the nature of the things they're asking. And people are going, Matt, how do we do this? I mean, I think I've had 30 something MSPs go through a nine week security course in the last uh, since you and I last met. So we're definitely seeing growth in that understanding. Um, and we're also seeing a lot of growth in understanding from the five eyes communities governments right canada us are, are starting to drive this 
responsible reporting act conversations, um, paying ransoms. I mean, we're starting to see just massive growth in that. So yes, I'm not known for short answers, but while I'm working on getting my audio back, we'll say yes, I believe we've seen growth in the last year. Yeah, no worries. And hey, um, you know, one of the things that I always loved you said about security was get started, right? That it's not going to be perfect and be honest about where you're at, right? That is so absolutely critical. And, and Jeff Bendix, um, one of the interviews that you and I had together, I always love talking with you because you actually, as an off-equipment dealer, started doing cybersecurity services a long time ago, um, long yeah. before fashionable, long before you know any of that, right? So what kinds of things are you seeing um, you know, today in the cybersecurity front? Is it getting easier to sell it to customers? Uh, it definitely is. Uh, yeah, to, uh, um, to echo off of what Matt said with the insurance, um, a lot of customers, you'd be saying, hey, we need to implement these tools or these security frameworks or um, things, things of that nature. And uh, some customers would do it and others would just kind of drag their feet. But the insurance companies the last six to nine months have really been pushing that along, uh, canceling people's policies or denying coverage and uh, without putting these, these, uh, these tool sets in place. So uh, that's definitely something we're seeing a lot of. Uh, another thing that's becoming uh, almost required in a lot of uh, environments is zero trust. You know, putting some sort of zero trust solution in application whitelisting. If it's not authorized yeah. to run, that oh. process and that program doesn't run. Yeah, 100%. And when you think about all the pieces of zero trust, like to riff off that conversation, um, you really start getting into a, a mentality that that requires, you know, companies to have this haves and haves nots to some extent. I mean, to your point, Jeff, being able to like whitelist applications, blacklist applications is a good start. But how do you get into that identity layer zero trust? How do you get into that point where before you ever send that first packet, you have single packet authorization that's validating those end users? And I know that's more advanced than where most people sit today, but, but that is the the place we're heading and that's where the governments are starting to understand i sit on a few different advisory panels one of them being csa for working on how do we train people about zero trust how do we help people understand a migration including the software defined perimeter including the extensibility of identity to access assets uh, all of those kind of things are part of that that growth too the brilliant point so yeah yeah, yeah for anyone out there in uh you know in the world that doesn't know what zero trust is today i'd be surprised uh, but certainly i would say it's probably been one of the biggest uh, kind of revolutions in the security space as you know, as, as far as I can remember, right? That sure. this idea that trust no one, trust nothing, right? And build everything from that from that starting point. Which default denied. Yeah. In the old days it was the opposite, right? It's like trust everybody until they give you reason not to. So. <laughs> right. Find the bad guy in this stream of good guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really uh, appreciate it. And hey, uh, I'm going to bring somebody else in now, too. And, and this is someone that I've known in the industry for a lot of years. And uh, he's actually working on the distribution side. So one of the you know, things that we're dealing with, not only security that we've been uh, talking about through all these episodes, um, is uh, supply chain, is distribution in this changing marketplace. So without further ado, I'm going to bring in uh, Jim Sikleski. Let's see if we can get you in here. Hey, Jim, how are you, buddy? Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Hey, thank you very much for uh, for joining us today and for being a, a guest in the past as well. My pleasure. Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, we kind of talked about it, if, for those that don't know uh, Jim and our channel, that would be shocking and, and actually unforgivable. <laughs> but we have a lot of channels that are watching the program today. So uh, certainly for those that don't know Clover Imaging, uh, one of the largest distributors in the world uh, for the kinds of things that we uh, buy and sell and and some new things as well right jim and, and when we spoke last time you were talking about the need even as a distributor uh, to start looking into offering you know different products than you know traditionally they had right so i guess my question is how's that going and what kinds of things are you you know starting to move into the marketplace outside of the, the typical channel Sure. So dis distributor and manufacturer, of course. So manufacturer first and foremost. But, you know, one of the things that we've been seeing is that with uh, what we've built up on the manufacturing side, contract manufacturing has become, you know, uh, an opportunity for us. So for a lot of you that have seen that we closed Vietnam, you know, we didn't close Vietnam. We just don't manufacture printer cartridges in Vietnam any longer. So we still have our Vietnam facility uh, but we're contract manufacturing 3D printer supplies. Oh, wow. Uh, 
and that whole facility has converted over to all 3D print. Um, and then, you know, to further kind of our, you know, progression uh, pivot, if you will, we're, we're actually becoming uh, strong in e-commerce fulfillment. So I had mentioned that, you know, we're going to do something a little different. You know, unfortunately, print has kind of slowed down during COVID, and I don't think it's coming back uh, anytime soon. So I think no. this is the new norm. And so we kind of had to, you know, reinvent ourselves. And uh, we're, uh, we're making an acquisition of a e-commerce fulfillment company. Uh, we're going to be announcing it in about two weeks. Um, but we learned that, you know, we're really good at fulfilling our customers' needs from, you know, ink and toner. Um, we started doing distribution, believe it or not, about two years ago for a CBD company. That company, uh, we helped with their marketing and, you know, their web platform. And and they're doing $10 million in revenue now, and we're doing all the distribution for them. So uh, buying this e-commerce platform was really something that will get us into, you know, really a completely different space um, that we're pretty good at doing when it comes to it doesn't matter if it's a printer a toner cartridge, an inkjet cartridge, you know, we're going to, we're, we're actually going to do, start doing, uh, you know, clothing lines as, as well. And some pretty big brands when, when we announce this company that is doing these brands, you guys will see some of the, the brands that we're going to be doing distribution for. So we're pretty excited about that pivot. And listen, we, we needed to do it because uh, you know, I don't know how much longer people will be printing uh, and buying toner cartridges. I love your, uh, your honesty on that because you are, you know, arguably uh, the world's uh, best quality and largest uh, producer for toner cartridges uh, other than the OEMs, right? And to hear that, hey, folks, we got to diversify. And that's something that, you know, I've spoken about for a long time as well is that need. Jeff Bendix, you've uh, done it yourself. Uh, obviously, uh, Greg Vandewalker uh, at Great America, expanding into collaborance, right? That these are lessons that are really important for us as we uh, move forward. And on the security side as well, so appreciate it. Well, and the, the other side of this too, West, is that the commoditization of the general technology delivery is what we're talking about here, right? We're, you know, if you took Bob's law and said every every year 5% of everything you touch becomes commoditized, then you start driving very quickly into a point where we have to innovate, we have to change, we have to become something different. And in, in addition, what you said as well down here, I didn't catch your name, I'm so sorry, but was also that you are, as a result, getting deeper into their business. You're actually becoming an integral part of their business delivery function, right? You're now in e-commerce delivery. You're now taking delivery of their cannabis products and CBD products in that same space, right? Like you start thinking about that. That is my vision of how technology has to shift as ISPs, as technology providers. Like, yeah, sorry, go ahead. What's so shocking is if you look at just the returns management side of the world, I mean, it's, it's billions and billions of dollars of returns that people don't know what to do with it. And so there's a business in that, just doing returns management. And we started doing it for a couple partners. Um, I mean, we're getting calls from some very, very large companies to help take care of their problems, big retailers that we do business with today that they don't know what to do with their returns. And there's a big business to be had in doing that. And so we started, you know, with a couple of smaller partners and it's just, it's growing like crazy. And, and that's cool. Now making this acquisition in this space, I actually think that this potentially could be bigger than, you know, our, our imaging business. That's pretty cool <laughs> to hear you say that. <laughs> wow. Hey, I'm going to bring someone else into the uh, call now because one of the other things that we talked about a lot, and we're doing it right now, is expressing a digital presence, right? That we are using tools uh, to market our businesses, um, uh, to help our customers in ways that we simply weren't doing before, right? So. This is evidence of that. This is episode number 50. Uh, these have all been broadcast on LinkedIn and YouTube. And we've got someone on the call who's actually helped a lot of folks to get better um, at working in this space. And as a side note, though, before I bring them on, uh, Matt, I've never seen anyone with the kit, the travel kit that you have when you're on the road doing your shows <laughs> as well. It's yeah. Not much. Until you exceed the power capacitance of the docking station you landed at in your hoteling <laughs> desk today. <laughs> I love uh, it. Okay. One. Yeah. And without further ado, uh, Rick Lambert, how you doing, buddy? Hey, boys. Good. Thanks for having me on today, Wes. Oh, thanks for uh, joining in yet again. And, you know, it's always been a pleasure working with you. 
we're both uh, folks that like uh, kind of the digital domain. And in our last interview, uh, when we uh, talked, you were talking about this whole idea of, of how important it is to have a digital presence now, right? It's something I think that people thought was kind of, you know, what's the word, uh, optional uh, before. They wouldn't trouble their staff too much to have a LinkedIn profile or, you know, to do videos or to do these kind of things, right? So what what's your take? What are you seeing now? And congratulations, by the way, on your uh, LinkedIn boot camps. I know that uh, from the numbers that I saw before, I think over 2,000 people now trained on that. And that was just recently uh, recently launched. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks, buddy. We, we you know, we... Uh... When before COVID hit, we were running a 90-day LinkedIn boot camp, and then people said, "Hey, I don't have the time," so we backed it down to 30 days. And uh, you know, what's funny is I think you know we go back to before COVID, and uh, conference calls used to be accepted, right? And all of a sudden, we're in video era, and with uh, I think a lot of business leaders think that LinkedIn and social media is more for the millennial or Gen Z on their team, but I would argue that. You know, really, LinkedIn's the ultimate digital Rolodex for those of us that have been around a while. And if we can just stay in touch with our network and, and, you know, we've seen a lot of success with helping people really build their personal brand. And, uh, you know, that's a buzzword. But, you know, if you don't think customers, I would argue, are looking at you online before or part of their buying process, I, I, I don't know. You know, I think you're missing it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've got we've got a lot of great feedback, great dealers. Uh, I'm talking at the CDA meeting uh, another uh, couple weeks on the topic. It's really hot right now. So, um, yeah, thanks uh, for the uh, the the, the uh, visibility. <laughs> well, no, it, it's important, right? And uh, you know, I just want to throw it out there that uh, for anyone that's watching today, right? That you know, I, I remember in the past people said LinkedIn is just Facebook for you know old business people, and I'm like. No, it's a completely different thing, and it's and it's equally important, right? So the work you're doing there is great. And encourage everyone uh, to obviously have a look and make sure that you start to really think about that digital presence more seriously. And we're not getting any younger, right? I mean, I'm like 52. Well, and- I, I know I'm a lot younger than the other guys you get on here, but uh, you know, it's an old saying that you know it's what you learn about sales after you know it all that really counts, right? And I just think that. Uh, you know the, the model's changing you know it's hard to hire people now and uh you know so we're just trying to find the gaps that the dealers or the msps or customers have and fill them and it's funny you know we just did a, a program with a bunch of mbas uh canada's largest would be the harvard of canada and the biggest thing that these mbas wanted to know believe it or not is what do i post and uh, yeah. you a sample set of really intelligent people and uh so, you know, just for what it's worth for folks like Xerox Corporation was great. They had us recently coaching 50 of their top dealers how to how to shoot and post selfie videos as basic as that sounds. But what they did was they took a sales training program and 50 people created three videos. Now, bang, they had 150 videos and they taught them how to shoot videos. And so, I mean, this is what we see now, right? It's all about being top of mind at point of need, in addition to all the other fundamentals, of course. Well, and, and I think, and you know, I, I keep jumping in. Y'all can just tell me to shut up. I, I have that happen time to time. But, you know, Rick, your, your point on that. So I started down a LinkedIn campaign for my own personal brand in 2019. And since doing that, I now have 6,000 followers and I've learned a lot of things, right? And I think the point is, is that, you're giving and the, and the industry's changing, right? What used to be this beautiful polished marketing piece that went up on screen and it was worked on and it was great. Now it's thought leadership marketing. Now it's being front of mind. Like you said, now it's being somebody that's giving and giving and giving it's the Gary Vaynerchuk models compared to, you know, these very highly polished and highly presented. It's all about what you give. Um, and I think Real. LinkedIn is the best platform to give in that way. And it, it, it's really good at that. So, yeah, no, I, I was just, just going to say that, uh, you know, I, I always tell people that I believe LinkedIn's the watering hole for your business contacts. I mean, that's where sure. I think they're hanging out. Um, but I think a lot of people are, are very apprehensive to step into the platform. And I, we suggest in our programs, you know, be an observer at least for, you know, three to five innings before you step up to bat. But um, I've never seen a tool like it for pipeline development. I mean, it's, it's not about just digitally connecting with people. It's all about connect digital and get them offline for the conversation, the live conversation that we do so well. But uh, I, and you I, can also, 
Yeah. You can also share your organic nature as a company, right? You can actually craft what's seen. You can you can make it to where you have this persona market. Look at look at Jacob Horn. Jacob Horn is a big CMMC advocate, really well known, you know, but I've never seen anything about his company. But in my heart, I believe yeah. in his company. I think their operations are great. I believe, right? And it's because of that persona front end that you're creating and that window into the world that you're controlling. And perception is reality, right? It and is. so it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Sorry, I'm getting nerdy here. I get excited. Not at all. And, and, you know, things. it's a good segue there. One of those things you talk about when you talk about sort of organically, you know, growing the brand of the company out there, getting people to understand what that is, right? Is that how, how, how we work in the world is changing. And how we work with our people is changing as well, right? So on top of security, on top of supply chain, on top of digital you know, presence, one of the other big issues that has been really ever present in our space uh, for anyone that's hiring, and I know that everyone on this call has the same issues, is for staffing and retention, right? Hmm. Getting new hires and, and uh, you know, keeping the ones that we have. And uh, I'm going to bring in Mike McCurdy. Mike, uh, you and I were speaking actually in one of our uh, top 100 sessions a while ago. And I love what you were talking about in the sense of mixing up how we're compensating and taking care of our people, right? So I'm not sure how much of that you want to share, but I remember being so moved by that because all of the stuff that we're talking about with diversification, with change, with um, coming more as companies and stuff, I think that gets overlooked sometimes that maybe we have to change how we work with our people, right? So share a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, world changing we have to change how we do things just like you talked about and for us uh, we're just trying to figure out how to keep the guys working together in sync motivated um we've got a I, i've got a small team there's only four of us i don't know how this will work for a large team in fact i don't know that it could but we change the dynamics in our company and uh at the request of my team uh they wanted to take all of the uh everything they were working on to work together on it and spread it out and have everybody be involved. Cause we've got, you know, cloud specialists, phone specialists, people that are doing office equipment. We've got, you know, different segments and people were jumping over each other, trying to get different pieces of the business. So now everything we do commissions are the same, our quotas, goals, all that kind of stuff's all the same. Everybody's still on their same salary, but all of the commissions, um, whether it's residual, or one-time commissions all goes into a pot and is split four ways. Equal I love it. Month. I'm telling you, it was one of the, you know, my favorite things I've heard in a long time. And I'll tell you from personal experience, when I worked at uh, Pitney Bowes uh, in Canada, up in the Toronto office, um, uh, one of the things that was very difficult because especially with such a large organization is that you were actually competing with other sales reps within the organization for those dollars. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, oh, they'd say, oh, you got to bring this person in to, you know, introduce this solution. I'm like, not until I get my money, right? It's like, you know, when I get paid, then I'll, I'll think about helping somebody else get paid. Right. But, you know, so to have that removed, I mean, that would have been a dream come true for me because most of the solutions that we were selling at that time were multifaceted. We were touching the customer five or six times and stepping on ourselves by not doing the right thing for the customer because of how we were paid. Right. So, yeah, I just think it's a really exciting uh, shift in an exciting way. And I'm glad that it's working out for, you know, for you and the reps, right? Yeah, it's very I've different. Never seen, I've never seen the team work so cohesively together and watch them pass who's good at what without any inhibition, without any, I got to work something out or where's my piece or how am I going to benefit? It's been, it's been pretty interesting. I, yeah. I, I think it actually uh, it creates people that are more like, like you as a business owner, right? That that they're looking at the overall health of the deal versus just their own, you know, piece of it. And I know Mike, I know uh, Rick, I know Jim, like every day when you're taking care of the business, you're thinking about the whole picture and how you can make it better. And I just love that that compensation model can help those reps to think and feel in the same way, kind of like their business owners, right? That they have a, you know, a stake in the company. So really cool to see. 100%. Yeah. And uh, some uh, Jim, you mentioned earlier that you're doing uh, e-commerce fulfillment. So, this could be a bit of a, a competitive plug, but we have somebody on the call today as well who I've interviewed on the e-commerce side. And without further ado, I'm going to bring Randy Dazu in. Hey, Randy, brother, how are you? Hey, how you doing? Congratulations, Wes, on your 50th episode. Yeah, well, really appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, one of the commitments we made at Tiger Paw was to produce learning content to help people better grow their businesses. And I think after 50 episodes, we can safely say that we've we've held to our commitment, right? So. 
Awesome. Yeah. For everyone out there, uh, looking forward to doing the doing the next 50, right? Um, when you and I interviewed, when we talked, we were actually talking about e-commerce and, and you've done a lot of things as far as shifting and diversifying in your business as well, right? So sure. uh, for a lot of folks that are uh, maybe not in, in this particular channel, um, when you think of Randy and the company that, that, that he has, they have uh, forever been doing basically uh, benchmarks and testing on some pretty serious products out there, if it's physical products and software and everything else, and have recently moved into uh, the e-commerce side of it as well, right? And I think that's powerful, taking all that information and data the jab for all of those things that you've tested and rated over the years, and to be able to pull them all together and be able to use those in an e-commerce platform. And I got to say, I had a look at it one time uh, when we actually did the episode for anyone that goes to our YouTube page. Um, be sure to check it out because you'll actually see some screenshots and stuff, but some pretty cool, you know, stuff as far as configuring devices. There are those uh, that say that copiers are too complicated uh, to configure, you know, for a customer to do on their own. And Rick, I think uh, you mentioned earlier that, you know, people, you know, before they ever talk to us, they see us probably, you know, a ton of times uh, online, right? Our, our digital presence. And they want to do a lot of these things on their own. And the other interesting thing that you, you stated was instead of being competitive for the sales reps, um, you know, saying, oh, man, if I'm doing e-commerce, then I'm probably not going to get paid for it. But its role also to be able to do sales enablement, right? So maybe talk about that uh, uh, sales enablement, how e-commerce can help. And also if, if your thoughts or views have changed on that at all, what's happening? Yeah, it hasn't changed at all, uh, actually, Wes. Uh, we're actually getting more interest, uh, actually, in the sales enablement side. Um, part of it is that, you know, we really built a, a really cool tool for e-commerce and we knew that, uh, you know, the salespeople could also use this tool to their benefit, you know, not only to help, you know, progress the sale for their customers that are actually shopping online, but, you know, they can actually see the activity that's actually happening with those clients and, and also help them out if they want to. So, you know, one of the things that we ended up building this year was a whole CPQ builder for Uverse, uh, basically, Uverse is the name of our e-commerce platform. Um, and you know, through discussions that we had with dealers, and that's how we built the platform was really just talking to them and seeing what they needed and wanted. Uh, a lot of the challenges that they had, challenges that they had, were around just quoting, uh, you know, the, the right products for the customers, or even configuring the products correctly for the for the customers uh, to be able to price it out correctly. Um, and, and we had all those components in Uverse already, so why not just open that up and build a whole back-end system for the salespeople to use, uh, basically for sales enablement. So that's essentially what we did. Um, and they have a much better tool that, you know, not only will allow them to configure it, configure the products correctly with no mistakes, uh, be able to link that to their pricing schedules uh, that they have, uh, and be able to quote that out and build a proposal and send that off to the customer right away. Um, and, you know, part of the challenges that they have is that there isn't really a good tool between um, all the tools that they're using currently today that can actually be that middleware that that works with the CRM and works with the ERP system. Um, and this was able to do that. We solved the problem for one of the dealers and now all the dealers are asking for it. So um, so the, the interesting thing with the e-commerce side and also the sales enablement side being in one platform now is that the customers and the clients can work together on the customer side. They can actually help. Uh, help self-sell the product where they're actually going in, educating themselves, getting the thought leadership, as, as you know, some others have mentioned, from the dealership of what they have on their website. Um, and then the salesperson can come in and help them out if they have any challenges trying to figure out what products to buy, what types of services and supplies, contracts that they need, um, or even just you know setting up a lease for them, which also is all automated. Uh, but if the customers have any challenges, the salespeople can jump in and help them out at the same time too. Automation, man. Like, you know, if there's, if there's one thing that, you know, kind of crosses all of our uh, channels and all of the things that we do for a living is that automation can be our best friend or our worst enemy. Right. And I don't think we can ignore it anymore. I know a lot of people looked at e-commerce uh, very simply and just said, Oh no, we can't compete against Amazon. And, and, you know, from what I've seen from you and what you're doing from what Clover Images is doing, with um, e-commerce as well, that it's not just about um, clicking and you know buying a product, right? That there are more things that can be done with it, more ways to help the you know the customers, right? And Jim, I got to think that was a big you know decision for you guys, like on the e-commerce side, because that really is a different way of you know doing business as a manufacturer and as a distributor, right? 
Well, we just we, we were pickpacking and shipping, you know, four or five thousand uh, items a day for our current customer base. And, you know, we do it pretty well. So we said, why not do it for any other asset? Right. It doesn't matter what it is. And actually, we're doing it for a bunch of our dealers now. We're taking in their inventory and we're we're distributing it for them. It's but, but we're going to go beyond, obviously, the, the imaging space. Yeah, I love it, though. But it is about, again, it's an enablement feature, right? And I got to think that it's got to save time and money for, you know, for everybody involved through the whole chain, right? From the customer to the sales rep to, you know, the dealer all the way through that value proposition, right? No question. And and I would think for everyone on the call, like Jeff and Mike, not to put you guys on the spot, but um, have you guys also been exploring e-commerce options, trying to figure out how that might be a fit for the businesses as dealers? And you can start with you, Mike, I guess. Yeah, we have, yeah, we have uh, been exploring it. We have explored it in the past. It's been unsuccessful so far. Uh, but, you know, it's finding that right company and that right, uh, the right people that have figured it out and can deliver that down into our model because we can't do it ourselves. We've got to rely on somebody else that's set up for us. There's just there's too much money and too much that goes involved with it. So finding that right thing has been our challenge. It's just yeah. So you have to rely on that, you know, external expertise, right? And that's certainly, uh, Greg, one of the things that you've, you've offered to the marketplace for dealers trying to get into the space to be able to do technology outside of the managed print space to have a good, you know, solution for them, right? And uh, fortunately, yours has been working for the market. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm kind of curious uh, <clears throat> to Mike and Jeff. I mean, you know, Wes was, was pinging you on the e-commerce, and I'm, I'm passionate about this. And one of the things that I've heard um, dealer principals say is, you know, it's just selling copiers is too complicated. Um, and and I, I think that's a false narrative, but, but I'd like to get your opinion. It, it, you know, what, what is your take? Is it too complicated or isn't it? And uh, Jeff, maybe we'll get you to take that. Uh, it, it depends on how you approach it and how you interact with your customers. Um, some people make it way more complicated than it needs to be, to your point. Um, some of it, uh, customers have been conditioned over the years how complicated it needs to be, and uh, it's really not. So. Uh, we do have e-commerce on our site. Uh, it's very, very limited use um, on what people use it by. They often try to uh, or prefer to interact uh, directly with a person on a lot of technology topics. Nice. But, yeah. but there definitely is a move that way. Yeah, well, I think it it has to move that way, right? So may, right. maybe we'll move into this now. And, and what I'm going to get everyone to do here is I'm going to move through everyone. and We're going to talk about predictions for the future, right? So I think that's kind of an easy one. We've already thrown it out there. E-commerce is going to be something that is going to be inevitable as we all kind of evolve uh, and change how we do business. What other, you know, things are there? And, and, and Matt Lee, maybe I'll get you to start with this. What do you think is uh, the next big thing? All right. We got camera and audio at the same time. Yeah. You guys hear me? Man, <laughs> we're winning today. You know, I think the, the biggest things you're going to see in in, in the future from a cybersecurity and from a service provider perspective is you're going to see more formulation around what is a service provider? What are they responsible for? What are the things that we have involved and what are the regulations around those things? You're already seeing it. I think in the United States, we have 26 different states with privacy laws in play. We have, I think, four or five states with their own cybersecurity reporting act in play. You have the five eyes coming out with, with several different things in that same space for the UK and for New Zealand, for Australia and for Canada. You know, we're all following similar suits. So if I was to take that prediction forward, you're seeing the shift in what would have just been a profit center and wrench turning for a lot of providers, people saying, I'm here to deal with the technology. I don't do the security. That's not my thing. I'm a tech guy. That's all we do. I think that that separation um, is fake. And I think that, you know, one of the I did a speech for Aptega um, to a bunch of MSSPs uh, a few weeks ago in Atlanta. And I started it out with there is no such thing as an MSSP. Right. You, you can't you can't touch the data and not secure it and you can't secure it without knowing what it's worth and how it works. And I think that the things you're starting to see is a shift of drastic nature from the risk of being a service provider if you haven't taken those things into account, if you haven't built in the defensibility. Um, but I, but I think the real challenges that are coming and the things that they'll face would be that shift into 
being that trusted advisor, being that business advisor, back to a couple of people's points here saying we started distributing for them because it made sense, right? Greg's point. So those are the things we're going to start seeing more and more. And they're going to coalesce with the risk of that and the regulatory aspect of that. Potentially, even as you start seeing in the next few years, we'll start seeing actual self-regulatory options happening for MSPs and uh, having to actually check the box in more ways than one. But that's my I, thoughts. I, I love what you said there, too, though, about, you know, kind of it's almost this snobbery of, oh, we don't do that. Right? Yeah, that's, that's I'm just what... a tech guy. I, I know I have admin creds and I know I touch all these things and open up holes <laughs> and stuff, but I'm, I'm not security. We don't do that. Yeah. OK, I love hearing that. I mean, obviously, with, uh, you know, Jeff Bendix and Mike and others on the call, right, that have started adopting uh, those kind of things. Greg Vandewalker, obviously, with the Collaborates offering that has nothing to do with print. And uh, Matt, as you know, for my channel, you know, obviously, it started with office equipment and printing. Sure. It's become so much more. And security has been a big part of that, right? So, when you're when you're talking to uh, your MSP friends out there as well, um, and uh, your IT services folks, um, to be paying attention to the office equipment channel as well, because they are starting to become, like you said, more technology providers. Period. Yep. Right? You know, so well, like, how many of you still set IRQ ports on cards you plug into a machine, right? Like, it's, it's not a thing anymore. It's commoditizing. Everybody's going to be on Azure AD and some SaaS applications. Yes. Like, it's it's a whole different world, right? You don't get paid to spin the plates as an MSP anymore in those worlds. So, yeah. Well, you know, if it wasn't for the cloud, I wouldn't be able to do this today. None of us would, right? So, it is or even fail and recover like we did, right? Like, I probably right. failure of my equipment here. <laughs> I love it. And yeah, Jeff Bendix, what about you? If you had a prediction, you know, sort of for what's big and up and coming, what would it be? Uh, yeah, to uh, echo off of what uh, Matt uh, touched on a little bit there is more and more industries are getting state or federally regulated. So as uh, uh, whether it's MSPs or dealers getting into IT services, um, that's becoming more and more of an issue every year and uh, making sure your own house is in order as you're taking care of uh, uh, other companies. MSPs are a huge target because the threat actors break into us, they get access to all our clients. So um, it, you really have to take care of your own house, eat your own dog food first. And you know what's fun? I love uh, when you say us because you are an MSP now. You're a managed service provider. It's uh, it's that whole uh, melding of you know things that used to be separate, you know, coming together, right? So. And I'm curious, uh, Mike McCurdy, what do you think is is coming next from your perspective? What's big? I'm still going to be focused and, and dovetailing off of what Matt and Jeff said. I think it's going to be all about security. That's becoming our number one thing right now. And it doesn't matter whether we're selling a printer or managed services or cloud. It's all about, I mean, it's all about security. I mean, if you start digging deep, I mean, people just turn a blind eye, for example, to, to copiers and printers. But you know, 11% of those uh, that are getting hit are coming from those types of devices behind the firewall and people aren't talking about them. They're not, oh, I know. they're not driving that home. I mean, clear down to the chips in the toner. And, and how much is how much PII is in storage and how much PHI is in it? And what are the exactly. lateralization capabilities? And, you know, every executive got those people to put their printer on the Ooh. same subnet so they could do that, you know, <laughs> rapid print with their iPhone. And how much risk does that create? And I, yeah, just. It is, it is a big deal. Yeah. I, I think that's probably needs to be probably the, one of the core focuses in my mind. I, don't I, know I love it. it. Yeah. So security first. Yeah. And, and Jeff, I know you've said that you start all of your sales with security now as well. Absolutely. Every client interaction starts with security. Uh, then we bring on all those other layers behind it. And we, we bring print in as a security issue, not having anybody else with access on our networks, um, you know, for any reason. All right. And Mr. Sikleski, I'm going to pull over to you now. And I'm interested to hear this one. Last time we were talking about sort of new and big things that were coming up, I loved hearing that you were doing stuff with, you know, the CBD oils and moving those kind of things and changing the kind of things that you're manufacturing. What's what's big? What's coming? Well, I we're a little different than you guys, right? Obviously, security is huge, but where I see a monster problem and the opportunity is looking at ESG and what's happening from that perspective. And when I look at all these returns that are coming back from Amazon and coming back from retailers and coming back from Walmart and you name it, the whole e-commerce forward has a massive problem on the reverse, massive. 
there is so much, excuse my French, shit <laughs> that's coming back. It, it, first, first of all, every retailer had to convert their business to e-commerce, right, to survive. My wife did, yeah. Everybody during the pandemic bought online. I mean, my wife had Amazon deliveries every single day, every day. And I, I bet you nine times out of 10, she returned something because it wasn't the right size or it just she didn't like it. And, and they made it so easy to return it. Where is all this shit going? There is a massive, massive problem brewing billions and billions of dollars on returns issues that somebody needs to solve. And I do believe because I take back so much shit from the OEMs today, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty good at reusing it, right? And building it back up. There's a massive opportunity with all kinds of other returns. And so oh, wow. I, I believe there is a massive green play with returns management. And that's why we are buying a e-commerce fulfillment company to start because it has a massive returns management aspect to it that we're seeing that people are paying for those services. And so I do think that that's a big problem that needs to be solved. And I think that there's going to be companies monetizing that. Wow. I, I love to hear it. It's, it's, it's fun because, you know, this was probably about three years ago. I was having conversations with a very smart a friend of mine in the business world. And he said, Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start this company that what they do is they go around to retailers, right? Um, and they handle all that return stuff for them. So they will physically go in there, they'll box up the thing, they'll take care of it, and then they'll send it off. Because as a retailer, you're always too busy. Like, yes, you can return it. Um, but do you really want to, right? And one of the crazy things now, this just happened to me the first time the other day. I don't know anyone else on the call, if you can let me know if it's happened to you. Um, the returns now are simply, yeah, uh, just leave it on the porch. doesn't have to be in a box or anything else, and, and they'll pick it up and take care of it, right? So it's this whole returns opportunity thing that you mentioned. There are some pretty clever ways to make some money around that, right? I love it. It's, it's funny. I was uh, in the UPS store not long ago dropping something off, and there was one other person in there, one lady. She had every counter in both directions filled with Amazon returns. I'm like, what the crap lady? She goes, I, I have three daughters at home. <laughs> and, and, Jeff, and Jeff, we've looked, at, looked at, we've looked at, I don't know, maybe a dozen companies already through our private equity firm that gives us access to some of these returns management companies. Every single one of them has double digit EBITDA and every single one of them has triple, maybe even more than that growth. If you look at this, it's a hockey stick. Now, again, the COVID effect is, you know, where there's been a ton of returns. But I do believe that the the way you buy, you know, is is here to stay. And yeah. and I think retail stores are done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brick and mortar is the secondary part of the business, not the first. Right. Yep. Nice. Well, and uh, Rick Lambert, what are you thinking, uh, fellow Canadian? Uh, Mr. Digital Presence. Well, what do you see that's coming out there, buddy. Listen to Jim. I, I I feel your pain, buddy, with the returns for my wife. I, I convinced her about a month ago to just order one size fits all, so we've cut back on the returns. Um, no, I, I I see things through a different lens than you guys. And by the way, congratulations to each of you guys. I follow you guys online. Uh, very successful, and it hasn't been easy. You know, I, I I run a sales training business and a digital marketing agency, and so you know some funny stuff that's come up. We were talking to a, a OEM, 72 resellers, and the lady said, Rick, we've got sales reps that have been here for a year and a half and have never met with a person face to face. They don't know what to do. And so believe it or not, like uh, old school is coming back. But predictions, this is what I would say. Number one, recruiting is going to be paramount. Uh, you know, we try and take our business to where the fish are biting. And, you know, you look at any MSP dealer where we, you know, we service. It's an issue right now. And, and what we're noting to them is that if you look at most careers pages, they look like applications for a senior citizen home. Okay. They're about <laughs> as exciting as, uh, and so I think people forget they got to sell their business. So I see a big uptick there onboarding, you know, as we bring in these Gen Z's, they didn't grow up the way we did. And so it's a real hybrid learning model and the sales managers now, 
in general, I'm generalizing here, don't have the time, interest, nor the skill set to coach. And so it's, it's tough bringing, getting someone in. And the last thing I would say, you guys mentioned it earlier, you're seeing your business is automation. And, you know, we're using technology with our clients right now to scale human effort, like exponentially. And it's not really uh, harming, I would say, the integrity or the authenticity of the message. And so, you know, if you can't find a body in many cases, you know, some of these sales automation tools and marketing automation tools are just exponentially. So if you've got a competitor that's using that technology, you know, you, you, you know, you just can't keep up with them with their scale in terms of coverage. So that's, that's what we're seeing anyway. So recruiting, onboarding, and I would argue automation big time. I love it. And, you know, the sales automation thing, uh, you know, is certainly something that's always been terrifying, you know, for people. But um, it, right now, with how hard it is to get people, if we're not automating processes to take care of those gaps, I mean, that's in some ways can be as good as hiring people. Right. So, yeah, I really appreciate that prediction. But just for pipeline development too, Wes, like, you know, yeah. you know, paying someone, you know, Mike, you and Jeff uh, to go and knock on doors, it almost seems like pulling up with a horse, you know, in, in, in layman terms and in terms of what's happening today. And expensive. yeah. So anyway, I retreat, but just, you know, heads up for automation too, from a sales <laughs> and marketing standpoint. Love it. And uh, for predictions, um, what about you, Randy Dazzo? What are you, what are you seeing? Well, uh, of course, uh, e-commerce is definitely uh, kind of on the, the cutting edge of where dealers should be going towards, uh, you know, in, in the future. Um, when, when we talk about technology, um, we look at two different areas. You know, obviously, there's the print space that still has some opportunities for and growth, actually, in some certain areas in the production space, yeah. the wide format space, as well as uh, um, you know, direct-to-garment and packaging spaces that are all growing right now. This whole personalization being able to have unique, uh, um, you know, garment and fabrics and things like that. So there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in that area. Um, you know, we've also been talking about, uh, you know, managed services for the longest time as well for the dealers. Uh, of course, uh, cloud and uh, digital transformation is also really big that we've been, you know, always talking about when we talked about software at the very beginning and how people can be automating, uh, how clients can be automating their processes and things like that. Um, and, and someone mentioned also sustainability. Sustainability is a really big topic these days uh, when it comes to uh, these next generations that are really feeling the pressure and really knowing what the conditions are of the globe right now and really wanting to you know, make a difference and make things change uh, for that. Uh, and all, all of our manufacturers are you know, behind that and coming up with their own programs at the same time, too. So hopefully uh, you know, that will start to change as well. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things I think the pandemic really did for us was accelerate a lot of other new technologies like, like the cloud. I mean, uh, and things like communications and teams meetings that, that we, or these meetings that we're having right now that we didn't have before where it uh, has become essential. Um, so we're really focused now on this new future of work and how people will be working in the future. And that's a really big topic that we have to really think about. Um, and it's interesting, Mac, you giving us thumbs up, security kind of cuts across all of these topics. And that's really critical. Um, you can't talk about any of the things that we've been talking about without security because everything's connected today. Um, but, uh, you know, going back to the future of work, we just, we don't know how people are going to be, um, you know, coming back to offices right now, whether or not people will continue to be remote or have that hybrid work environment to uh, what, uh, you know, the new, um, you know, offices are going to look like. I mean, someone mentioned that they're, they're in a hotel. Matt mentioned that they're doing the hoteling in his company. Yeah. Uh, and that's a very common thing now because people are shifting. Uh, and uh, that, that changes the landscape for not only our industry, but any of the office industries. And I've been talking, you know, to the dealers about diversifying into new future, uh, both, well, we call it uh, uh, not, not the future of work, but we do also call it that as well. Uh, but the future of office, and it's not really future of office, it's the future of work because uh, it's no longer just in uh, this confound of being in an office anymore. It's I was going to say the wherever, office is where we are right now. Where we are right now, and I'm in my house, and that's where I'm working. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a big change that we're all going to have to grapple with, uh, especially with the dealers, too, knowing that they've traditionally been selling into offices. What can they do to change the landscape and the environment for the new future of work, basically, of how people are going to work? 
I love it how you express that. It's not just the future of work. It's the new future of work, right? The new future of work. <laughs> yep. That's great. And hey, uh, Mike McCurdy, what about you? What are you seeing out there? I don't know. I think I already talked. Oh, you did. <laughs> Up above, Greg Vanderwalker. What are you seeing out there? <laughs> oh, well, I've got two predictions. Number one, uh, the Colorado Avalanche will repeat the Stanley Cup champions next June, too. So we're going to go twofer. We're going to go twofer. So let's go abs. Um, but, um, the, the second one is, is tied to Randy's. Um, things haven't shaken out completely when it comes to work. And I think as business leaders, we have to really be agile and have our pulse. We're feeling that pulse of what is going on because I, I just don't think it's the end. And I certainly have no vision on what it's going to look like. But, you know, when you run a labor intensive business like uh, a call center, um, you know, where, how, you know, we've hired 20 people since June for, or since January 1st. And, you know, there's just a lot of moving parts to that. And with distributed workforce, some things change and, and you're learning. And, and so you're just having to adapt and adjust and, and I we're not out of the wood yet. And so that, that's just going to be something we're going to have to develop a core competency uh, as business leaders uh, to adapt and meet the people where they are and maintaining our service levels that, that we and our customers expect. I love how you say that. We've got to meet the people where they are. Right. And, uh, it was a line from uh, Lord of the Rings. I don't know if you remember Fellowship of the Rings. I always have to geek it up some way, and uh, and you you led me down this path. That we don't necessarily get to choose the time in which we live, only that which we do with the time we are given. So, probably a good note. And before I embarrass myself again, who else did I miss? Who do I got to get a prediction out of? <laughs> I think you've caught all of us. But one of the things I wanted to add to 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 Greg's point was that. We're not done letting this shake out. And as you think about it from a business leadership perspective, not only is the landscape of work changing, but the opportunity pool for workers as some companies are changing in the sense that what used to be a very geolocal or geo-oriented type model becomes not geo-oriented. I could hire somebody in rural Alabama that does the job well and, and in some ways take that opportunity away from a company that might not be in that leadership space and might not be understanding this as a business leader. And I think to your point, Greg, there are hundreds of pitfalls coming as these landscapes change. Think of what's done in just commercial real estate uh, value. Look at what's done in just commercial real estate acquisition and costs and, and copiers that come with that. And how do we work and serve the home? And how does that, you, you just have so many moving pieces right now that, that if you are static in your view of the way you have work, you might miss out on hiring hundreds of people. And instead those 20 you hire aren't good hires, right? And you start wind, winding into this world where back to whoever said the recruitment aspect is so massive, it might've been Rick. You know, those are the pieces I think that are playing out as this hybrid work shifts. And it was one of my decisions when, when I decided where I was going to go, it was, what are the technology capabilities? Am I on Azure Active Directory? Am I on AD? Am I using something that just works or do I have other challenges? And so you have so many of these pieces mixing together that can make companies that start up tomorrow be faster, more flexible, more scalable, more competitive, more organic, and more automated when other people still have tech debt that creates massive gaps in what they can't even automate or the processes that they're going to function under. So I think the challenges we're coming are actually probably paradigm shifting uh, in ways that we don't even understand yet. So yeah, I, I think that's probably the most sage what's coming in the future. Greg, you win uh, if I was giving out an award. So. <laughs> you and Randy combined. Yeah, it's, it's one of those topics that is so divisive right now as well, right? That you look at Elon Musk and saying everyone has to come back to the office and like th this is unfolding right now like this is a test of our generation as far as what the new future of work is going to look like right how much of it swings back to the office how much of it continues to stay remote and and good lord the security opportunities that come with that the cloud opportunities the opportunities for uh, being able to get products in the hands of our customers in a more distributed way I got to think there's money there, right? So, it's And to a, fail, right? So the point is, yeah. <laughs> you're in a race. <laughs> Don't get behind, all right? That's so. right. Well, listen, I cannot thank everyone enough for uh, joining me on here this uh, 50th episode. Uh, this is the most number of people I've ever had on uh, one show, you know, all together. 
And uh, obviously, I want to thank everyone at uh, Tiger Paw Radio as well um, and Tiger Paw for making this possible. Uh, like I said, this is 50 episodes of learning content, which would not have been out there in the world and helping uh, dealers and providers and you know partners um, otherwise. So just want to thank them for being able to make this uh, possible. Uh, for everyone else that's watching this not live uh, for the recordings, uh, still make sure you can leave your comments, um, ask questions of everyone that you see here today. I'll make sure that they uh, that they get them. And until next time, remember to keep learning. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more great learning content to help you grow your business, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com and click on the resources tab. You can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.